to start, up, start off with a version of the Lord's Prayer, which I'll just pray over you as an elder of Lakeshore St. Andrews and as a leader in this church. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, hallowed, hallowed be thy name, forever to be praised, forever to be adored, forever to be loved. Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and thy will be done in our lives and in the lives of the people of Lakeshore St. Andrews. Every single one of us, thy precious, perfect will be done. Father, grant unto us our daily bread, but not just the bread that would sustain the body. Grant us, Father, the bread of life, revelation knowledge of your word. Fill us with your word that we need not be taught by man. Lead us in the way everlasting. Jesus, thank you for redeeming us, for forgiving our sins, past, present, and future. Thank you, Jesus. You held nothing back, and you showed us the way we should act as we respond to those that sin against us. We forgive them wholly, and we forgive them now. We hold nothing back, for you, Lord, held nothing back when you redeemed us. And Lord, help us overcome every single temptation to sin, though they be many. Help us to use our minds for that which is good, pure, perfect, lovely, and of good report. Give us a clean heart, Lord. And protect us from all the evil in the world. Protect the people of Lakeshore St. Andrews from the evils in the world and the evils of Satan's kingdom. Pray for us and intercede for us, as you did for Peter, to strengthen him. So when he turned back, he could strengthen the brothers. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. For yours, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory, forever and ever and ever. Amen and amen. Now, I'd like to start this morning, just Deb did mention that I was an elder, and just for those who don't know, elder doesn't mean you have to be old. Anybody can be an elder, and I'm also on the SESM team, yes, that's a very, very treasured committee for me to be on. Is there anybody here that's on the SESM committee? Could you please stand for a second? There's a few back there on the SESM committee. We appreciate it, but don't, don't sit down for a second because I want you to know something. As Deb mentioned, there's the sexiest people on earth for males is a guy with a vacuum cleaner in his hand. <laughs> These guys are the sexiest men on the planet. We have in this building 40,000 square feet of carpet. Need I say more? Today I want to speak about imagination and the connection to faith. When I was a young boy, I had an extreme imagination. I just was lost in my imagination, trapped in travels. I used to always be thinking about going on great adventures, paddling up rivers, crossing mountains, seeing wild animals, all while I was at school. So it was like, if the teacher said, right now we're gonna start teaching grammar, I knew that was my time 
hop on a, a bus in my mind and take off. And I would take off. And once in a while, I would hear this voice coming, imposing on my territory and saying, David, David, David. And I realized my lightning fast mind was probably the teacher and she was going to try to bring me back to earth. I didn't realize it at the time, but I think my strong imagination would someday truly help me on my faith walk. Imagination is a gift from God, which enables us to see past what we can see and feel in the physical world. It can take us to distant lands without an airplane. It can show us things that appear to be real and tangible even though they're not present in this physical world. It's truly a gift from God. Romans 4.17 says, God calls things that are not as though they are. When God called Abraham the father of many nations, his body and Sarah's body were as good as dead. That didn't matter to God, and that didn't matter to Abraham. Abraham chose to believe that what God spoke, he could and will do. It's very interesting to me that God inspired Abraham's imagination by asking him to look up into the stars and count them, if he could, if he could, because there's so many. And he said, so shall your descendants be. When imagination is used in a positive way, the Bible calls it hope. Romans 4.24 says, we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. The part of you that hopes is the part of you that imagines. When you hope, you create a mental image or a picture in your mind of what you'd like to see happen. It may be scriptural, maybe a promise of God that you're depending on, like by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed and I am made whole. You may have a severe pain in your knees or in your legs, but you can imagine yourself dancing. You may have a crippling arthritis in your hand, but you can imagine yourself sewing again and knitting for your children or grandchildren. Hebrews 11.1 1 clarifies this for us. It says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance of your hopeful imagination, the evidence of things not seen. Your imagination is your spiritual womb. Your imagination is your spiritual womb. In essence, your imagination will conceive what God's word says, and then faith brings it to birth those things conceived. 
Wow. I knew my wild imagination would one day truly pay off for me. Personally, I believe that at a foundational level, faith is a deep-seated, unshakable belief in God's flawless character, unconditional love, and his love is deeper than any ocean, and his grace is beyond measure. His words have never failed, and they never will. As a couple, my wife Melanie and I never hesitate to thank him every morning for loving and caring for us so much and for taking care of us the way he does. We truly rest in his protection, and we never doubt his lovingly, that he's lovingly caring for us. It's just a fact of life for us. We've received it, we trust it, we've never known anything else. We're always amazed by how things work out for us when we truly rest in him. Corinthians says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. But look at that, in that verse, hope is right there in the middle between faith and love. One of the greatest forces in the universe, along with faith and love. Some faith people say, you don't need hope. You just need to believe. You don't need hope. You just need to believe. This sounds logical. However, they don't realize that without hope incubating in a positive imagination, you can't believe. If there's no hope, faith doesn't have anything to give substance to. If there's no hope, faith doesn't have anything to give substance to. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So what should we do? We should fill our hearts with expectation and anticipation that God will honor his word and his power will bring a manifestation of the promise of his word. Kids are an excellent example of faith for us. When a kid begs their parents for a big blessing like a new bike, the parents often say to the kids right away, don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up, kids. My brother and I were hoping for a bike, and my mother and father told us that. And do you know what we said? We said, no way. We're going to get our hopes up as high as the sky, and we did. And wonderfully, and eventually, we did get the bikes. Also, the Word of God is spiritual. It is full of power. His Word is not just letters printed on a page. Once spoken out the mouth, they will not return empty, but they will accomplish that which they were sent to do. Jesus said in John 6, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So God's word is a power-packed seed which should be planted in your heart. Your heart is the soil. Seeds take time to grow. It's not just believe and receive. You have to conceive the word 
Next, believe what it says, meditate on it, and allow the seed to grow. And then receive what it promises. In the interim, don't dig up your seed. Stay on target. Thank, uh, refuse any negative thoughts and reports. Praise and thank God for his blessing. Also, don't beat yourself up in the process if the process takes longer than anticipated. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The connection between imagination and the heart is essential. Isaiah 26, 3 says, The Lord will keep in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because they trust in you. Whose mind is steadfast. The Hebrew word for mind in this verse is actually yetzer, which means imagination. It also has a secondary meaning, conception. So it's like whose imagination is stayed on the Lord. That's why it's so important to meditate on God's word. The more you read it, speak it out loud and think about it, the more it gets inside you. The more it gets rooted in your heart, the more likely you are to believe it as yours. Act on it. When doing my daily scripture reading, I always read aloud. It cements the word in my heart. I want to hear the word of God with my physical ears. The gospel message is a seed. And all of you that, have, that know Jesus, somewhere along the line, that seed was planted in your hearts. And at some point in your life, it grew. It maybe, maybe grew from a pastor, from Sunday school teacher, from reading the word, but somewhere it grew. And it sprouted, and it grew into hope and into faith for you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. My personal testimony, which I wish to share with you, is different because it was a long shot at best. I grew up in a home with no mention of the Bible or Jesus, and um, we did not attend church. What I did have in my neighborhood was some several godly people who over the years showed me and my brother Mike kindness, allowed us to spend time with them. There was a guy directly across the street, Mr. Baldwin. He was the son of a pastor, and he used to build these model airplanes in a little shed out back. My brother Mike and I used to go there, and we would watch him for hours and hours. He just let us. He was very nice to us. He was, he was compassionate. There's another, another man in the, in the neighborhood named Bill Cade. Bill Cade was a real outdoorsman, a sportsman. Him and his wife, Ruby, could not have kids, so they adopted the whole neighborhood. And it was so wonderful because they had the only pool in the whole neighborhood. So, yeah, you know where this is going. All the kids in the neighborhood used to gather at their house in the heat of the day, sweating, and wait patiently for those immortal words Okay, kids, you can go home and get your towels. That was wonderful. But I did see their godly character, and I noticed in their house, they had several Bibles, always open to some scripture. 
I believe as kids they were praying for us. And in the summer months, there was this white gospel bus that used to just show up on random Sundays. And kids from all over the neighborhood would just come and just pile into this bus and they'd take off in a blue cloud of smoke to some little white church, I think it was on Cabana Road. And our parents were just very happy to get us out from underfoot for a couple hours. But there at that little church, we heard Bible stories about Jesus and there was a man who sang walking around with a guitar and that was all new to us, it was, it was amazing. And that was probably some of the first seeds we had planted in our hearts. In grade five, we had a teacher, Mr. Bodnichuk, also the son of a minister. And for whatever reason, he was allowed to give us Bible stories on his little film scripts every single day before we went home. We had a, film, a Bible film script every single day. In the school that we went to, the public school, we sang hymns, we had prayers every morning, and we sang all kinds of amazing songs. So you'd imagine singing in a, in a school today, Onward Christian Soldiers. We sang Onward Christian Soldiers with the cross of Jesus going on before us. As I grew up, when I was about 14, we had a lot of challenges in our life. We had some real heartbreaks. And I began calling out to God before I really truly knew him. I knew God was real somehow in my heart, but I really didn't know him. Without thinking one night, I flipped on the TV and on the screen was filled with a picture of Billy Graham. And Billy Graham was delivering this gospel message to literally thousands of people in some stadium somewhere in the United States. I don't know where it was. But at the very end of the program, which I did listen to and I was very interested in, Billy said, just come. Just come as you are. And I did. And when I did, I felt this warm, compassionate love just flow from the top of my head right down to my feet. And I knew that moment I was changed forever. The gospel seeds had bloomed and I became a new man. The old had passed away. Since that time, I've had many, many adventures with the Lord. He is always amazing to me. He led me to my wife, Melanie. In high school, I actually began to pray to God to lead me to the right young woman that would love me and be my faithful wife. In theater arts, Melanie and I played in the diary of Anne Frank. I was Peter and she was Anne. And the following year, we were chosen to go to a production in, uh, in Stratford with several other students with a teacher. We did so, and I asked Melanie to go for a walk with me after the, after the uh, event. We did. We sat down on a picnic table. I had enough courage to kiss her, and I did kiss her. And God put electricity on that kiss. We were completely bought in 100% from that moment on. And at the end of that year, our theater arts teacher, for whatever reason, started calling out potential couples in the class. 
It was embarrassing, but he said, and Dave and Melanie, do you know what? They would make a perfect match. He didn't realize that he was probably speaking prophetically. Later, I did find out that Melanie was raised in a Christian household. She was a Christian already, and her parents had quiet but strong faith. So I just have to say, God is good. He led me to the right person. He led me in my career. He closed many doors that needed to be closed and opened doors that no one could shut. He led me in my family as I raised three loving daughters. He taught me to prosper even in tough economic times. I found out that there is no recession in God's economy. He taught me to love others and respect the poor with an open hand and a willing heart. And when we were looking for a new home, we began searching and praying, and Melanie and I both got a confirmation that our new church home should be Lakeshore St. Andrews. And we are both led here independently, and so all I can say is, been wonderful. God is good. So long and short of this, whatever your need is, God has a promise to cover your need. There's no need you can have that he hasn't promised something for. We need to find out what he says about it, plant that word promise deep in our hearts, water that seed with praise, worship, and thanksgiving, And use your imagination to see the manifestation of that promise as yours before it knocks on the door. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we just lift up the congregation, every person here, every adherent and every visitor to your throne of grace, and we ask you, Lord, that you give us wisdom and guidance as we approach a new year, 2024. Watch over us, be with us every step of the way, guide our steps, help us, Lord, to do your will in the earth. Help us to be the men and women of God that you want us to be. Help us to be good soldiers for the cross. We pray this in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.